0: Everybody, welcome back to The Undiscovered You, a podcast for people who feel like they have so much more to offer, but are somehow stuck where they are. I'm your host, Kimberly Johnston, and this season, we're speaking to the dream catchers. These are people who've gone after their dreams and caught them. I'm incredibly excited to have Nicole Perry with me today. Nicole's a professional chef. She's an owner of a catering company called The Curious and is formerly the chef to people such as Richard Branson and Madonna. Nicole, (laughs) welcome to the show. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? Thanks for having me. A hundred percent. I'm so excited to have you on the show. One of the things that I was really excited about doing this season was bringing people on who, again, had gone after that huge dream and actually captured it. And being a chef is one of those things I think a lot of people think about doing. And I think very few actually go there. And so what I would love to hear from you is a bit about your story, kind of how did you first fall in love with cooking?
1: Yeah, so I think, I mean, I grew up in, I was born in Zambia uh, and I grew up in Botswana. Um, Very much food was a huge part of our family life. Um, uh, As children, we were very adventurous. We were forced to eat lots of different things. Um, And, but equally growing up in Botswana, even though i had such a fantastic love for food and cooking it, there wasn't a career in cooking as such you know there weren't any fancy restaurants or t- celebrity chefs or any of that kind of culture that we certainly live in today i um, mean it was only when i went over to i mean i always loved home ec, it was my favorite subject i uh, still didn't realize still didn't realize you know this could be a career this could be a career uh, I then went off to the university in the UK um, to study event uh, event management and I was working in restaurants and suddenly I was like oh my gosh there's there's all these amazing restaurants like coming from Botswana it was never like that you know the best restaurant you go to is like a spur or you know that kind of thing um, and I was, I was supposed to be waitressing but I was always in the kitchen you know like what is that what do you do and how do you do that well that looks really interesting um Three years later down the line it, and it, through my degree, I was just suddenly like, there's just all these possibilities. Um, and I didn't realise that something you could love so much could actually be a job.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So um, I you know, I deferred my degree, took a year and went to a French Cordon Bleu cooking school um, and never looked back and never went back to finish my degree. And I'm still doing that now. And that was well, I'm 40 now, so a good 20 years ago.
0: That's amazing. And so tell me a bit about that going over. To, so you went to France to go to the Cordon Bleu to study. Is that right? So oh, sorry. Apologies. Uh, it was a Cordon Bleu school, but it wasn't it wasn't Cape
1: Town because obviously my roots are African. So I ended up going to kind of nearer home um, okay. for that part of my life. But yeah. So
0: back to Cape Town. We're studying yeah. at a Cordon Bleu um, institution. Tell me a bit about what you're studying, what you're learning and how. That oh, has, wow. Has that.
1: It was it was it was incredible. And to be fair, it was actually more relentless than you know my degree. First of all, you couldn't miss – it It was very much – this is this is a chef's life. If you miss more than three days in one year, you lose your place. Wow. We have so many numbers that we accept every year, and we only take those that who are serious. So if you couldn't hack that, you might as well have just left then. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I remember my first lesson was five hours on stock. We literally had to watch the chicken poach whilst <laughs> the lady <laughs> – spoke about everything and you know and it was yeah it was really it was really strict in your holidays you worked in restaurants there was no time um and it was trying to prep you up to say you know if this is what you want this is what you've got to do and, and but I loved it I loved getting out I I I love the pressure I like I like learning I love the cooking part the tasting and not just that that you, know, you were learning that you know there were so many aspects of food that there were so many aspects of the industry that didn't have to just require cooking in the kitchen. Yeah. You know, there was like food writing or food development or menu development or working for corporations. You know, there were so many different angles. Um, I mean, I just ended up in the kitchen because that's where I wanted to be. And I, and I loved it and I've always had a lot of energy. Um, so, uh, nothing could time me that easily. So, yeah. I um I did a year there, and they were at that I was a little bit older at that point. Um, and you could do a second or third year, and I decided, you know, I need to start earning money. I need to pay for this back. So um, I met someone who told me about the yachting industry and how you could learn from different chefs in the yachting industry. Mm. So I decided that that's what I was going to do. So I left Cordon Bleu. Um, I then got a ticket to. Spain and just walked the docks. <laughs> um, just going, hi, I've only got one year's cooking experience. Can I have a job? <laughs> no way. um it took a while. <laughs> um, it did, it did I did a couple of like 21st birthday parties and things in bots sort of, before I left. So I, so I got as many like references as I could from all these little do's that I did, you know, and I walking the docks saying, oh, I can do this, I can do that. And eventually someone took pity on me and gave me a job. So yeah, so, so as a head chef of a, of a very small boat, and I just learned so much by doing that. I literally bought a cooking Bible called the Sarah Alexander Cooking Bible. I was suddenly the head chef of this 27-meter boat, really nice, boss, four crew, traveling around the south of France and Italy, where I'd never been before in my life, never he- hadn't heard of half the stuff I was seeing with this little Bible, going to these markets, going, what is that? Okay you can steam it boil it grill it
0: <laughs> wow
1: um so yeah I was just learning 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 but you know really really passionate and really hungry and I really enjoyed it and if you've never met anyone who works on a on a super you they'll tell you it's not easy it's relentless you are at their beck and call but I I loved looking out the galley window and seeing all these amazing places and all these markets and seeing things i would never tasted before. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I remember my boss, my plating back then wasn't, wasn't that great.
0: <laughs> <laughs> just, <laughs> but, you're like the food tastes good. It just doesn't look great. Right. <laughs> it
1: just doesn't look great. I needed some more finesse and more, probably more experience in the restaurant industry. Um, but she used to say, but we, we, you know, we taste the love, we taste the love. So I was like, if I've got that, I can work on the rest of it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so the rest of it was just working in the industry and meeting other captains who guided me. And I got jobs on bigger boats where I was a sous chef. And instead of working in restaurants where you kind of start at the bottom picking herbs, you know, I was kind of shoved in as a sous chef with really fantastic chefs from everywhere. And I was like a right-hand person. And, you know, you're living together, you're doing everything together, you're on the boat together. You know, you're up from six in the morning until two in the morning every day. Um yeah. So uh and yeah. How
0: so how did you know you weren't gonna get seasick? That's like my biggest question. I mean, I would I would I, I, would, be, I would be so <laughs> petrified that I would be like
1: <laughs> No, honestly, I had no idea because I've been I've been on like boats and you know like, rivers and stuff like that growing yeah. up, whatever. But uh, yeah, no, I, I was actually I was fine. I was fine. Although my first ever crossing, I was doing I had, to, I had to cross the Atlantic from Antigua over to um Genoa, the first day, flat sea, like calm as hell. I went completely green captain was thinking oh my god we've got 2 weeks and the chef is like sick fine. anyway he get oh, I, I, I yeah he gave me some funny these little stickers behind my ear and i was fine for the next few weeks but i must admit then i was thinking how am i going to get through this it's not a good feeling but um yeah i've got my had i've got my sea legs and um i yeah absolutely loved it so.
0: Amazing, and I love I love the tenacity around literally rocking up in Spain and just being like, "Hey, anybody need a chef?" We're like, <laughs> and how did you how did you pick your boats? Which ones did you pick?
1: I literally had I was think I had no idea. I was just looking obviously size what I, what I think I could cope with. Mm-hmm. I would go down to this little bar called the Corner Corner Bar and look at the little board and see what jobs were going. I I had no idea. I I I'd, all I'd done was a course. Um, a couple of weeks before that you know in like sea training and safety and things like that but I had I, so I had to, I was learning on the job basically
0: and why Spain
1: why did you uh, Spain? I, I don't know I think it's because I met someone um who said that that's that was that's what you should do you should start the docks. some people go to France some people I went to Parma because I've got the docks there but yeah I you know I, I wasn't familiar with that part of the world or anything like that but um it didn't take me long, about a couple of weeks, but um, yeah, I, bet, I mean, it's the best thing I ever did because, I, you know, I I I I I would love to travel, but I got to travel, mm. and you know, say in saying that, it is hard in terms of I could travel the world, but maybe seeing a bit of little places because you're always working. Mm. Um, But equally, there were so many amazing places that even if I saw them through my galley window or, you know, got to go to the market that morning or or something, they're places I would never have got to have seen anyway. Mm -hmm. And there are so many places that I would like to go back to that I wouldn't even know were there. So, you know, there's all these things like you work really hard and it's really
0: time consuming and it's tiring. But there's also there's all these beautiful plus sides and memories that I have. So. And like thinking about it, if you're if you're getting up at six and you're working until 2 a.m. And then you said, you know, you're going into the market. Is this just when you're like underway or is it also when you're docked? Do they like go out to dinner so you don't have to cook for them? Do you ever have days off? Yeah. Yeah. No.
1: Well, rarely, because I mean, they you know, they've got these beautiful yachts and when they're on it, they want to be on it. You know, mm. so they rarely, rarely, rarely go out. Um, But they yeah, I think I remember once, I think it was, uh my first charter, but I think it's six months. I had one day off. So we we're doing like 60 days for like six months. Oh. So I didn't spend any money, money, though. After that six months, I had enough money to buy get a deposit on a house because I didn't do anything.
0: <laughs> of course, yeah, that's I mean, I, you know, I, was, I, I think I was telling you earlier, I was a lawyer for years. And it's so true, you end of saving so much money because you have no life. And so exactly. I know. All, your, mo- all your money is just stuck straight in the bank. <laughs> yeah no exactly you know but it does
1: like I never complain I, I don't know it does take a certain kind of person it, you know there were lots of crew members that found it tough and grueling and I know it was but I just I just I just loved it you know mm-hmm. and even my captain would always captains would always say like you no know matter how knackered I was always, always smiling I was just learning so much and it's so you know there's you could work in a restaurant somewhere but there's something about seeing the world and seeing all the ingredients and actually having it hands-on and Working with so many different chefs, that's massive life skills. And you take so much more with you than being in one pace um the whole time.
0: Yeah. I can imagine nice skills on a rolling sea are very different from nice skills like oh, yeah. in, this, in a kitchen in London.
1: <laughs> no, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely.
0: So you've gone off to Spain. So you've done your you've done your studies at the Cordon Bleu, um, down in South Africa, decide by word of mouth to go to Spain, end up on you know, walking along and finding the boats and asking questions, getting (laughs) hired by somebody. I just love this story so much. Getting hired (laughs) by somebody. You've gone out, you're doing like Atlantic, crossing the Atlantic. You said you've had some chartered boats. So tell me a bit about what does the life look like in terms of how long are your contracts? Like how long do you stay with somebody? Do they own the boat? Do they usually do it? What's that kind of look like?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, you get a lot of job security on boats. I mean, mm. I, you could stay on there for, you know, for absolutely years. I think for me, I did bounce around a lot, but that was because I wanted to work with different chefs. It was almost like, well, I've learned as much as I can from this guy. Mm. You know, so you know, and I was, you know, I I was always loyal, but um, but there's times when, you know, when you need to learn more, you're not gonna learn any more in that situation. It, it doesn't matter how much you like your crew members or or how much you love your captain, but certainly a lot of people that I know who are happy to do that, you know, have been on boats, the same boat forever, and all you know, deck crew when they, they they get up to a captain, or I know chefs who've got you know really comfortable, and they have families and they go on rotation, and but I think I was just still in my twenties, and there was always so much to learn and see, so I, I kind of kept going right. Well, I've done this part of the world now, and I'd be like looking for a job, and be, like all right, I'm off to Bali, or right, I've never done the Caribbean, so let's go do that, you know. It works for a lot of people, and then I then I started freelancing because so I developed a CV that was quite good, so I could just I could not work and just be like, well, I'll go do that for two weeks so I can get a call, and you know, and that that but that was that you start getting to a level where you you know you know your provisioners, you're quite confident. You know, at this point, you know, I'm I know how to work on a sailing boat, a a, a motor you know, different sizes. I, I I know lots of areas of the world, so I have got this vast knowledge that kind of allowed me to have that flexibility.
0: Mm. I we one of my all-time favorite memories my husband and I talk about this all the time is we went to Vietnam and we went out on this little tiny charter boat like I mean I don't even they didn't even have a kitchen I, I don't even yeah. know I think it was like run off of gas
1: and we went fishing <laughs> and we
0: pulled you know pulled out some some random stuff out of the sea and then he had bought some seafood as well it was literally the best meal we've ever eaten and uh, he did it over a bucket of coals so we um, had wait. a bucket filled it with coals and on fire so I mean I love the fact if you are a good enough chef, it doesn't matter what the facility is. Oh, are yeah. like, yeah, you can just make an amazing meal.
1: No, exactly. And i tell you one thing, because I have an event company now, is um, there's nothing I've, There's nothing you can throw me in the middle of, of like an event for 400 that I can't come up with a plan for. That's a... <laughs> yeah, see, adaptable, because yeah. you've
0: worked on all these different
1: places. Oh, yeah. Exactly, crazy places. I've got places where I can't even get anything and I've got to pull something out of somewhere. You know what I mean? So, yeah. <laughs> because. You've got to be. Uh, ex- yeah, exactly. So as uh, well. Yeah. Uh, yeah so
0: And and I love what I love about this is, you know, part of what you're talking about here kind of in business terms is your network. So you were able to grow your network. Yes. You also yes. talked about I would use the word mentors. So kind of learning from chefs yes. and then learning all you can from them and then moving on to the next one. And, you know, we have an entire season called Marvelous Mentors. And what I talk about there is you have mentors for a season they teach you something and then it is about, you know, is it time? Have you outgrown them? Is it time to move on? You know, it, have you learned all you can from them? So it's not like you, exactly like you said, you don't stick with one job yeah. and stay there forever. Yeah. It's thinking about what you can learn from them. And then the other thing I loved about what you said is the fact that your skills got to a point where your CV allowed you to freelance. So a lot of times yes. people try that almost, like try to step into that freelancing space without the experience. Yes. They, yeah, they try to do that kind of thing. And actually, it's a fail for them, and the reason that you were able to do is because you did the hard yards, you did the sixteen-hour days. You know, you yes. just put in all that effort to to hone your skill, and then you were able to step out of that and then do the freelancing, which had had a bit more flexibility. It sounds like, yes,
1: no, no, absolutely, absolutely. But then to uh, to get you know to to throw it in the mix, I, I eventually start, after working for Richard Branson, which I will talk about, um, I then went, went and started my own restaurant catering company so I went from freelance to you know working even more hours than I've ever worked (laughs) (laughs) because
0: it's your baby and for less money isn't it yeah that's so true (laughs) so when you start your own business I don't think you realize how much gets poured into it
1: yeah Yeah. Yeah. you know sometimes I I miss the days where you know but to be fair even I've I, I've always worked for other people, like it was my own business anyway. Like I've never been one to go, well, it's Saturday, so I'm not, or it's nine o'clock at night. If the job needs doing, it needs doing, and I will do it. And I, that's just the way of, it's just my mindset. It just always has been that way. I mean, my might be because of watching my parents grow their company. I don't know, but I just have that, that, that ethic. Um, and so when I started my own business, it was no different, really. Um, it was just the only difference is that you've got to pay yourself.
0: <laughs> yes. Yes, that is the big difference.
1: <laughs> that is the big difference.
0: Yeah. And and I I really love that kind of work ethic that you you you're able to see there. And, and you know I I do some I do some executive coaching for a massive multinational company where we help on the on the path to partnership. So when people are moving into partnership, and one of the things we talk about is the fact that. When you become a partner of this massive corporate, you are an owner. That is, that is you own it. And so uh, I always say, you know, what if it's Nicole Perry, you know, limited, what if that was the name of the company? What would you do? Where would you take this? How would you deal with that? And so a lot of times if you're languishing in your job and you're languishing in your role and you're not feeling invigorated by it, it's almost that mind shift it's not, that yeah, that space and being like, what would I do if I own this? I know you're not the owner, but like, where would I take this? What would I do? And that helps you to generate ideas and actually get you more motivated. Motivated. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, no, 100%. And it's such a good place to be when you feel
1: like that way because you'll do anything to that other person and you want to see that person grow and do well because then you do well when they do well, essentially, yeah. isn't it? So yeah,
0: yeah. if the company's really... not getting paid, you are not going to get paid. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> kind of helps everybody um So let's back up. So you, so you, you, you've done the Spain thing. You're going on. We've gone to freelancing. When did you end up on Richard Branson's yacht? How did this happen? And uh, you were Necker Island as well. Is that right? I know
1: it was the most phenomenal experience of my life. It was just unreal. So I, um well, I, I, at the time I'd, I'd, I'd met someone and I was engaged, um and I wasn't cooking for a while. And I was just thinking, this is not me. You know, this is what I, I'm not a housewife. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean. It. I just meant I just I, I couldn't sit at home and I was suddenly I'm in England I'm I'm, I'm engaged I'm like wondering why I'm not doing what I love doing mm. and I I went online it was like it was, it was on catering.com and I just put my CV out there um cuz I was just looking for something I wasn't sure what I was looking for mm. um and then I got a call to say that there was a high profile client looking at my CV with the places that I'd been etc um you know would it be worth a phone call and I said yeah why not it turned out to be Richard Branson <laughs> amazing I know, and I was like, oh my God, like, I was, you know, I was reading all of his books at the time as well in business, and I, you know, I was just a bit starstruck, so, um, and he, they, the job, which is why they like my CV, entailed a lot of moving around, being on NECA, also, you know, being on the boat, having that experience in so many different parts of the world, etc. Uh, I didn't, and I just thought, you know what, I love Virgin as a brand, I don't think I'm going to get this job, but it'd be really interesting to see the process, and how they do things, and how the interviewing goes, and, and um, so I just thought, i would just go for it. And I, you know, I had various interviews in London, interviews um, on NECA. I'd very, then I had to do a cook-off at London, um, Kensington Roof Gardens. I, lo- I love the out- fact,
0: of course, Richard Branson has a cook-off when he's hiring a chef. <laughs> he's like, let's just get up in Kensington Roof Gardens and have a little cook-off. I know! I know. <laughs> Here's
1: the funny thing, though. Afterwards, I'm like, oh my God, it's like, you know, how are the other chefs you know they went you were the only one they'd already said that they fell in love they fall in love with me so i actually didn't invite any other um chef to come to the cook-offs that's, I cooked no,
0: up that's, myself. that's hysterical did you do
1: a good <laughs> job though yeah well i got the job i was told after that cook-off that, <laughs> that the job that's was so mine cute. yeah so i ended up going moving over tonight and it was just you know it's just a fantastic place i've met some incredible people um, Richard was a fantastic boss. His wife, Joan, was the most laid-back, motherly, wonderful person. Very family-orientated, um, very aware of, of of those who were there and making sure everyone had a balance of life. And, you know, he would say to some of the guests on the island, you know, everyone lives here. So if you see them, you know, you're there or there, this is also their home. It's not like you were cornered off like there's your stuff village and that's where you must stay you know yeah. he had that kind of attitude um and, and you know I mean it was hard work as it always is you know you, you know you you cook and then you end up partying with the guests and then yep. you've got to get up and do breakfast and everyone else is lying in yep. <laughs> <laughs> but um but yeah, but I look back at with 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 great fondness. Um, um, and in fact, when I opened my restaurant, Richard did a, a video for my opening for PR, which went down the storm. So oh,
0: sweet yeah. I, it was- you know, I have another friend um who's worked very closely um with Richard's family and has said exactly the same thing that Richard oh. and Joan are unbelievably amazing. And she was on more of the charity side of things, but it was. She had nothing but nice things to say about them. And I love the fact that it wasn't, I've worked in, um, I was a waitress for years in college and, you know, I worked at very kind of high-end resorts. And it was like, you are background, do not mingle, serve. And if they ask you questions, be polite and laugh at their jokes and then step away. And it's like- (laughs) But it's totally. It's like you are literally meant to be background. It sounds like Richard's like, no, they live here. This is yeah. their place. Like if if they come and you want to have them at the party, I'm at the party. Like, literally. This. yes, I love
1: it. It was like they must be seen. They will be seen and heard.
0: Yeah, <laughs> seen and heard exactly. Um, I, ha- I have to ask the question before we move on. What happened to the fiance? Oh, uh,
1: I think I, I moved to I moved to Lecca and. We just, the long distance didn't work out. Didn't work out. Okay. I yeah.
0: I, I, fig- I figured that was probably the, where this story in the direction, <laughs> but I think it's important for our listeners to hear that because what I, what I love about that is you were true to yourself. So yes, you could have very easily gone for the comfortable, let's get married. Let's stay in England. Let's, you know, settle down and do this thing that everybody else seems to be doing and being okay with. And yet your heart is pulling you in this direction where you Oh, you're like, definitely. Yes. So you have to listen to that. Yeah. And you would have been miserable. And I guarantee I you, it would have, you would have ended up in a place where that destroys the relationship It's not his fault or her fault. It's not their no. fault. You know, it's, it's because you have a desire in your heart and you are not following that. And it's like that pull can sometimes be so unfair to the other person when you are, you know, acquiescing. Not following yeah. your dream and then blaming them—that's what's really unfair. Yeah, and, so was, and I could almost, I could almost write that and see that happening. You know, mm. and
1: it was, and I just, I think when I got offered that job, I just couldn't say no to it as well, yeah. and would have always regretted it. There would have, been, I would have grown resentful. You know, there would be all of these kind of feelings that would have gone with it. I mean, people were surprised I even went for the job because they were like, "You're about to get engaged, why bother?" And I was like, "How can I not?" Yeah. <laughs> and how
0: How long did you do that for? Um, I was there for two years. Okay. And then what happened after that?
1: And after that, I, um, you know, like, true to myself, I wanted to go see what else was out there. So I um, went to work for other people, including Madonna, which was very interesting. Um, but there was just, I just, I think after working for Richard, um, I, I felt I was so spoiled in terms of how he treats people and how he treats his staff. And I went to work for various different people that I won't name, and they just didn't It wasn't worth working for them. They just didn't treat you properly. They just treat you like... um, They treated you like... I don't want to say that. Yeah, no, but it was. It was. I just... uh, And, you know, I was just like, I don't have to take this. You know, I I worked for one Russian in, in Monaco and... The way they would speak to you, like and 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 command things of you, and just walk into the galley and just be like rude to you. I was just like, life's too short, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not in this industry for this or the accolades were all about, or all that, or because I'm working for, for a person. I'm yeah. in mean it because I love it and I love cooking and I love learning. And you know, I stayed with Richard for a long time because I also loved meeting the people that came onto that island. You know, all the mm-hmm. all the philanthropists that come do speeches and you know, like all that kind of stuff. Um, but, yeah, I think with me, I, I do get itchy feet and, I, you know, so I, I, things, they reach the penult, penultimate point where I'm just like, well, I've, I've done that. I need to go and do something else. And so I think yeah. it's just in my nature.
0: Yeah. And Madonna, just touch on it quickly. Tell us a little bit it about what you were bad. doing. What were Lover. you doing? <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, that, I got a message of someone saying that they knew someone who was leaving and they, she was she'd exhausted all avenues of chefs in New York. And would I be interested? So. Uh, I went to meet her in London, at her house in London, and we got on. And so she invited me to New York um, and I did a five day trial. i got off with the job, um, and, but I, unfortunately, I had after that a tragedy in the family, which made me I couldn't go there. But I, I mean, no regrets. It was such, still an amazing experience. Um, Amazing kids. She was. She was so cool. She was so cool.
0: I mean, I um, just can't. I yeah. can't imagine being like in a room with Madonna for an interview. I'd be like, I actually have no idea what to say. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I <my> know. Food.
1: <laughs> I think the funny thing is is that I get starstruck by chefs and business people, but no, I don't get starstruck by anyone else. If you know what I mean. I think that's yeah. because I look up to chefs and I look up to like business people, but I'm not starstruck by a singer or or something. Like, even though they're yeah. super talented, it's just not something that I. Yeah, want to be so
0: number one chef. Then, like, if you who could you who is like you actually wouldn't be able to speak if you were in a room with them.
1: Oh my god! Please don't ask me this. Come on. I think I, I probably Angela Hartnett. I think she's pretty cool. Have you ever met she's her? Just, no, I haven't. I, I met Raymond Blanc once, and I just went. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I, was in a, I was in a restaurant in London and I just was like, and was like this is rare when I was just like, what's wrong with me? Like, come on, speak, Nick, speak, speak. <laughs> i just going to do it.
0: That's
1: just terrible. <laughs> but yeah, I think Angela, because she's, an, i am not that I'm into like feminism or anything like that, but she's a woman chef. She's done really well. Um, yeah. You know, and she's on TV now, but I mean, she's got a fantastic
0: career. And I, I mean, all of her recipe books are great and she works hard. So love it and also power to women let's let's just be honest there aren't enough women chefs out there it's a hard job i've just hired i've just hired a woman head chef i'm so happy
1: i'm so happy i said i've just so ollie if i'm going off peace chair it was my old head chef so we met working on Mm necker he's amazing pedigree he was like tom carriage for seven years um necker um anyway so he's been with me for five six five years now he's just been poached by poor hollywood (gasps) (laughs) so cool i'm like go go for it ollie you're my friend and everything but go go do it you know it's an opportunity go do it but anyway so now i've just hired a new chef and she's a a girl and i'm just it's so nice to have a girl back on the team So
0: cool. like
1: we just we just the girls just don't complain
0: yeah
1: so true like literally we can throw anything at us and we'll just make a plan (laughs) we'll get
0: it done we'll get it done there are only beans in this cabinet we're going to make something amazing
1: (laughs) (laughs) no no so so
0: we're we're almost on the cusp of working for madonna because of personal circumstances (laughs) don't take that role um, what's going on in your life? Where where are we going with this? Where do we end up?
1: Yeah, so be, so personal circumstances also made me move back to the UK and stay with my sister because there was because of what had happened. Mm. Um, and in that time, um, my sister was working somewhere whose chef left and um, needed someone to step in. So I just thought I'd you know go and help out. Mm. And then a year later, I'm still in England wondering why. <laughs>
0: And was this a, was this a restaurant where you were chefing? What was? Yeah, it, it was
1: a, it was a restaurant. Um, it was a restaurant um, kind of like farm shop. I mean, really nice. But it was just got to a point where I was going, how do I go from working for all these people in these places to 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 to, to, to where? I was like, the only way out of this is doing something on my own. Mm. It was like the only way out of of like it was like where do you go from working for Richard Branson so I tried going from there and working for people that weren't him and it was like well you're gonna have to do it on your own and I learned so much he used to talk all the time and I learned so much from him when I was on that island so so my sister and I because she went she was um she was also a chef at the time we someone approached us about this little cafe that needed some work and we just saw it let's do it that's so cool so we took over a cafe we started very much like chilled lunches for a couple of months. Um, we were doing very well. Um, the landlord kicked us out because he wanted to take it over now that it was busy and fruitful. Um, and then someone approached us about this old abandoned pub that we went to look at, um, which we then took over. And that was like six years ago. And since then it's just grown. from, we won loads of awards as a restaurant, you know, won best restaurant. We won like um, best um, front of house service. we won loads of different various things um then obviously covid hit um which so we since then reevaluated everything because our events we i started a catering business which just we just went absolutely mental because we used to do these secret supper clubs which i know sound very uh, you you hear about them a lot in that in in london and secret supper clubs but these were just insane i mean we used to find the craziest places and tell people like the night before where it was and you 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 just had to eat what you were given um and um like for example you would arrive on like a farm and you're like what's going on and there would be smoke coming out the ground and but we'd made like this barn like the meatpacking district in new york you know and you're in high heels and there's ducks everywhere and then suddenly we were coming out with wheelbarrows and digging holes in the ground and loading up the wheelbarrow was like whole lambs and butternuts and chickens that we, you know, cooked underground for like 12 hours or whatever. And then over to banqueting tables and getting it all out with like a Michelin star, um, um, you know, starter. It was just very theatrical and immersive and really different. So we started getting a really crazy reputation for being able to do things out of the box and being able to pull anything off or, um, you know, if you wanted something creative for your wedding or your 21st or something like that, go to the Curious Eatery. So that side of the business was getting intensely busy. Um, and I needed, to, obviously, to step out to, in order to do that. And I got a chef to step in to do the e-tree. Um, and then, you know, lockdown happened. I hate going, t- I hate talking about lockdown. It feels so boring, but it was very stressful, mm. obviously, not mm. for any industry in hospitality. Mm. Um, I, I still feel tired now. I, I still feel. <laughs> My mind is blocked. You know, there was so much that happened in those two years of trying to think outside the box, trying to diversify, trying to use your initiative and trying to come up with the next crazy idea that's gonna get you out the you know, the, the hole that you're a in. Yeah. Just, just like, even now I just I wake up and I'm still tired, mm-hmm. almost like, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so we made a really difficult decision to um, shut the restaurant um October, not last year, the year before because we were literally feeding. We had so many events that we were feeding three, 400 people every weekend, and I needed a kitchen, and it just made more sense to shut the restaurant, use that kitchen to do all these events. And it was really sad. People loved it. You know, the community loved it. Um, but I, I I needed somewhere to do the other business. Um, the good news is we've just reopened it two weeks ago.
0: Yay! All right, tell us where it is and what it's called, and like I need addresses. When can I make a booking? What is it? What is yeah, it? I know. Called?
1: So it is called Curious e Okay. It's and this in, and this is
0: with your female chef. This is your female my head new chef.
1: chef. She's amazing. Her name's Trish. All
0: right. Trish, Trish, the that amazing Trish. chef. All right. And where is where are you where is it based?
1: Yeah, so it is in Bolton, Mon And it is ME17. M E one seven.
0: HW. And for all of those listening in the United States, that's in England. So when you Uh, come uh, over, that is what we call a postcode. And you pop that straight into Google Maps and it will take you right to the Curious Eatery.
1: Brilliant.
0: <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay, so you guys have reopened. Fantastic. But you're still doing the catering as well. And are you still doing these amazing events or is it just yes. catering for weddings and parties? And what tell me a bit about what you're doing with the catering. Yes.
1: Event. So we
0: just uh, got, uh, at the moment it's
1: it's very like high-end luxury wedding catering, um, which is where we are what we are recognized for. So we're sole, we're sole caterers to a number of venues now and we're approved caterers to another number of venues. So our portfolio is growing and growing and growing and growing, um, which I'm really proud about. <laughs> so we just at the moment in the middle of, we've just had a rebrand because um, the event company is now called The Curious, because then you've got The Curious e we've got The Pub, we've got various other umbrellas under that main umbrella. Um, mm. And we, yeah, we're trying to get into film sets, things in the, in around Southeast, you know, we just, we're, we, we're having, we're having a massive think and a shuffle and a trying to use who we've got, what we can use, the space that we have. It's 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 really tough to grow when you've you you're still kind of got that much space around you. Mm. You know, so um, we've spent the past couple of weeks viewing different sites, different catering kitchens, different development kitchens. I mean, it's really exciting. So exciting. But it's also like the year of like everyone's going, ah! What's gonna happen this year like do you spend any more money or do you wait a year and then spend money you know there's all these insecurities and um uncertainties and you know that i mean you i mean i I was talking to my fruit and veg guy and he was like they're, they're as busy as ever people are still eating
0: this is the thing the cost of living crisis right everyone keeps talking about it yes it's a thing yes energy prices are going up yes it costs more money to do anything these days you go out in London, it is packed, oh, like, on the weekends, it is packed, you cannot get a table, and I'm a bit like, it doesn't feel like, it doesn't feel like what the news is telling us is happening. No. happening, because it feels like there's a lot of people still going out and enjoying themselves, because we're still coming out of this lockdown, and it's like, yeah. last year was still, like, there was, mm. it, it was weird still, and, like, 2023 really feels like Everybody's traveling, everybody's going out to dinner, people yeah. are meeting up. It's like almost too busy. It feels like almost every yeah, weekend definitely. is packed.
1: Yeah, no, no, 100%. And no matter what circumstance in the world is, people always find money to drink. <laughs> <laughs> so true. So, like, the bar is always busy at the restaurant.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. And that's the money maker for a lot of restaurants is actually the bar. A lot of restaurants it is.
1: It, well even it there's wine lists drink list, yeah, cocktail lists yeah. because I mean your margins on food there's only so much you can charge for a for a plate of food and even if you look at even the top restaurants in London I mean there's so many that have closed down because there's only so you can't you know when when you when you're at that level with those you know those the chefs on, on on the salaries salaries that they're on and the ingredients that you're using and the time it takes to make these beautiful dishes um no the one's going to pay so smart. yeah yeah. They are so small, so it's literally down to that familiar and that person that sits you down at the table and gets you know upsells your aperitif and makes sure you buy a digestive. I mean, it's all these other things outside the food. The food is, it's, mm. you know, it's, it's only one aspect of the whole of the whole business. And
0: yeah, and I mean, even again, going back to being a waitress in a cocktail bar, that's a song. Um, but being, <laughs> <a> wait- <laughs> I'm not going to start singing it. Promise. Uh, I used to upsell all the time because that's how I would get my tips, especially in the US. Yes. You would sit down, someone and say, Oh, can I have you know a pina colada? Sure. Have you ever tried Mount Gay rum in that? Right? <laughs> that and was then my all favorite. of a sudden, I know, so good. By the way, if you've <laughs> never tried a Mount Gay rum pina colada, please do so now. And Mount Gay, if you'd like to sponsor this episode, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> uh but yeah, 100 percent percent It's that, it's that whole upsell and kind of finding those margins. I, I have to, I need to ask a couple of questions, which if I was a listener, yeah. I would absolutely want to know. How did yeah. you learn to plate? So you said you were really good at kicking, but you were terrible oh at plating. Goodness. How did you learn to plate properly?
1: No, that's literally from working with other chefs and watching them plate during service. Like that's that's the only way, you know, even books or anything like that. There's just something about being in it and looking and see how they do it. That just like life changer. And then I got taught by my chef to draw pictures. It was oh. like, don't go into you know, a service and, you know, you don't know how you're going to plate it. So when I would do my menu planning, I would do draw little pictures and be like, that's where the raspberry's going. That's where the pure, you know, so I would go into it like fully aware of how I was going to do it rather than winging
0: it as such. Um, I love that. Yeah. yeah and- there's, there's something, there was, oh, there's all this psychology around plating as well, because apparently, oh, yeah. yeah, apparently food tastes better, the more beautiful it is. And if you actually over-engineer it, then people don't think it tastes as good. There's like, it's like you can go yeah, too yeah. far and you can go not far enough. It's it's amazing. No, definitely. Yeah. No, no, it is. It is. And for me, it was always like, you start
1: getting to a point where it's like threes and fives that like you can only plate things in threes and fives. Yeah. You can only plate things in odds. Like you can't plate five <laughs> Why have you ever noticed? You only ever get three scallops in, in an example. Yeah. If you get scallops, you only, you get three or two and a three, half. Don't yeah. You? yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. yeah. <laughs> totally. Chef, chefs can't do things in evens. They has to, it just looks weird. Yeah. Um, and it's like it's it's about building the plate as well. Like I remember I, when when I'm plating, people are looking at me and I'm thinking, just wait. It's like it's like you're building it. So it always looks funny at the beginning, but by the time we've got the last bit on and it's good, it's like wow. Ah.
0: Perfect. Yeah, okay. So we've learned to plate. So now you can plate. You're a phenomenal chef. You have this incredible experience behind you. You've gone all over the world, you've had the adventures in your twenties. You went over to Necker Island, enjoyed that, got completely spoiled by having an amazing boss. (laughs) Get off there, work for some people who are a bit of a nightmare, then go almost work for Madonna. Come back to the UK. You and your sister. I know. Listen to this. You and your sister, (laughs) both chefs, you start this amazing restaurant. You know, we have the whole thing that happens with having to shut that down, start in the new pub. And then you end up in a place where it's going really well, COVID hits, you've reinvented yourself, you're now about to explode, it sounds like, Hopefully, yeah. which is incredible. I mean, when you started out on the ship, you were working, you said, you know, kind of super early in the morning, 6am to 2am. So, you know, I don't even know, four hours of sleep, I'm not exactly sure how that, how that works as a human every single day. But... <laughs> Um, now, <laughs> now you, you are, you know, you have a partner, you have a daughter, you've got, yeah. you have a very kind of that settled life that actually you ran away from when oh, you yes. first, yeah, first yes. you offered it. So how did that shift happen? Because I think one of the things that is really interesting about following your dreams, we talked about that heart pull. We talked about not being able to blame the other person when you don't follow your heart, but the sacrifice yeah. in following it a lot of times ends up with you kind of missing the boat in terms of if you wanted a family like if you want to just be a chef and you want to be a chef and that's it great yes but for you it sounds like you've got both so tell me a little bit about yeah. how this looks now yeah well
1: I think yeah I did you know I did want to travel around and and you know I it wasn't that I was selfish and I didn't want a family but there was just so much to do and so much to see that I was like overcome by that um but you know with starting the business was, was actually a main reason was because I, I had a baby. So I was in the UK. I felt, I'd fell, fallen pregnant. I was 80 years old. You know, I'm going to have this baby. And I was like, I need to, what am I going to do? Yeah, I cannot work for someone else. I need flexibility. I need to be able to sort of be there for her as well as, you know, do what I love doing. I used to take her to the restaurant, put her in a pram and she would sit and pass, you know, sleeping or I was doing service or Trevor in the bakery, or do you know what I mean? So, yeah,
0: yeah. she's totally going to be a chef. You know that. Man. She <laughs> totally is in her blood. <laughs> I've, told, I've told her she's not allowed. I've told her that she's only allowed to cook for
1: fun, and she—I'm going to teach her to be a really good home entertainer. <laughs> but <laughs> love it. But yeah, so I think that's what that was. That, that was kind of like the mo—the the motive behind that was finding a way. To do what I love doing but also finding a way in order to do that with ha- with being a single mom mm.
0: and so, I think there there are so many people that that do that so that's that that's what I'd love to to kind of dive into is you know they want both they want the family and they want the career and I think it's a question of you know what's that balance our next season is going to be all about balancing on the seesaw and I feel like you know i feel like you could have been on many of our different seasons in terms of playing the hand your dealt and balancing <laughs> on the seesaw but um for this episode like with with being a dream catcher and the sacrifices that come with it you know how does that work for you in terms of doing it? Like, so you you bring the baby to the restaurant. Like, what kind of support network do you have to have around you yeah. to make that happen, is my question.
1: No, no, it is. And, you know, it, it was even the people that worked with me at the restaurant. They were absolutely phenomenal. But I gave up a lot because even though I was doing it for her, I wasn't always available. You know, so I, you know, I worked every weekend. I, I, I didn't work Monday, Tuesdays. They were mummy daughter days. That's when I (laughs) nice. (laughs) They, but then it got to a point where you know she had to start school, and that you know you lose your Monday, Tuesdays because now she's four and she has to start school. So they were different. They were things that needed to change the restaurant. You know, whether my system, where I had to start covering a shift or something, so I could have a day with her on the weekend because otherwise I wouldn't see her. Mm. Um, So they were. Lots of sacrifices and and that I did and it's and it's odd because you try and look back at it and you can't make sense of it because you think you're doing it for them but you're not actually with them so I don't know how that actually works and I, what I, am I we doing
0: I know I I constantly this is this is one of I I don't know if it's a realization that you have kind of when you get into your 40s and this is my this is my working theory. Is you sit there and you're like, okay, great. I'm doing all this stuff for my children, but I never see my children. And yes. I, re- I had a child that was literally raised by a German nanny to the point where I would see pictures of her. And I was like, she looks more like the nanny oh, than no. she <laughs> looks like me. And I was like, there's something wrong here. I'm like, she's got a German accent. She didn't really. Oh, it oh, was- no. <laughs> but it was, I mean, it did. It got to that point where I was like, what am I doing? Why am I doing all of this quote unquote for my kids? Yeah, so when I'm not seeing them and I I did that I blew my whole life up, left law, you know, went off and did something completely different just so that I could have those horrendous. I mean, let's not let's not gloss over this. They are awful. The evenings where they are hungry and tired after school. Yeah. And they're like demanding food from you and won't tell you about what their day was like and stuff. But it is, you're, you're there day to day. But you're there.
1: I know. Yeah. It, exactly. It is, yeah. it does suck sometimes a lot of the time. But they're yeah. there, but you're there and you're in it and you can understand you understand them. And it's just being present, isn't it? Totally. And I think I just turned 40 in January and I must admit, like this year, has been a lot of obviously when you opened the restaurant, but i my I've put up so many more boundaries since I turned forty. Boundaries—that
0: uh, is the key. Yeah. Boundaries, yes. <laughs> Tell me about your boundaries.
1: No, it's just it—it's it, just you know what? Well, you know I can't. Uh, you have to do this Saturday. Say it's my business partner. I'm like, well, no, I can't because I've already made plans. Before I would drop everything. It's yeah. Mother's Day. I would go in. It says I would go. It's actually actually no, I, I'm I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. Because then someone, will have, will, will, someone else will have to make a plan where, where I would always just make that plan. Totally. Um, you know, it's little things. I've always been a yes person with, with you know, with any of my clients. Like last night, I get a phone call at nine in the evening. I, you know, don't I would normally pick it up on a Sunday night. Don't pick it up. Always, I'll call you every Sunday at nine, ten in the evening. Just yeah. little things. I'm just going, you know, I need to have this balance. I love what I do, but I've got this eight-year-old, and the older she gets, the more she needs of me. Yes. So it's homework that yeah. I'm still Googling because I don't understand half of it. I can't, you know, There's, yeah. it's, they're just, they're just, they're, the older they get, the more that they, the more they, they they're they also more aware of you not being
0: there. Mm. That's so true. So true. And
1: I think that's the hard part when they can tell you why, why are you going to work again? Um, I thought today we were supposed to be doing this. Um, This weekend you promised, yeah. Um, you know, and it hits you in the face. It's a harsh reality and they couldn't yeah. say anything when they were smaller
0: yeah so you kind yeah. of got away with it yeah totally and I mean uh to be honest with you looking up frontal adverbial I don't think I'm I don't think Google like will allow me to look it up again it's like, <laughs> it's like we've told you too many times what a frontal adverbial is like you should you should know this by you're now. looking at that
1: I'm just looking at things like adverbs, adverbs.
0: <laughs> step back into the world of grammar my husband last night told me that apparently, i think it was matt hancock uh, who was um yeah head of education or whatever and he's the yes, one who reintroduces grammar so we have him to thank thank you oh, amazing yeah thank you yeah, thanks <laughs> so much okay so um we are so sadly drawing to a close here but i have to ask yes. you our two final questions that we ask okay. all of our guests so you've been on an incredible adventure and uh, I mean, it's just, it's exciting. I love the tenacity around literally just going to the docks and walking around <laughs> and being like, Hey, anybody need a chef <laughs> and following your dreams and really just going after it and recognizing the sacrifices that it took. And then also when you had this baby saying, okay, this is a new phase and I can still do what I want to do, but it might look a little bit different with all of this um you know the the podcast is called the undiscovered you what have you discovered about yourself along the way um i think I, along the way i
1: just discovered that like no matter what happens it's just always like always be kind to yourself you know that sounds like like such a cliche and always listen to listen to your heart listen to your gut instinct there's been so many you know things that people have said don't do that or have you thought about this but in your hearts and hearts if you know what that is then go for it
0: Uh and I always remember
1: Richard Branson saying to me once he went he went pixie because that was my nickname he went pixie he was I've got one thing I want to say at night because I'd be like I want to do this or I should have done that he went don't ask for permission ask for forgiveness yeah love it (laughs) (laughs) just do it and think about Everything else afterwards. That's basically what he's saying, and I kind of think that's what I used to do anyway. Oh, I'm just going to go to Spain. Oh, I'm just going to take that job. Yeah, you know, because that's what I want. That's what I felt like I wanted to
0: do. So mm, amazing, and um, that might have been the best piece of advice you've ever received from Richard Branson. <laughs> but if there's another one, do you have another best piece of advice you've ever received?
1: Oh gosh, um, uh, no, I think for, if, if I if I was to be advise advise myself. If I was to look outwards and say to me, I would always just say, be true to me, be honest, and always ask for help. Mm. Like it's okay, it's mm. okay to not be okay. Or ask for help along the way because you know, there's me talking today about this amazing journey, but you know, there's been so many things and 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 bumps and hurdles. Um, you know, that have gone along the way, and 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 unless you you know ask for advice or get a mentor or ask for help or talk to someone or be open or be transparent you can get re- you can get stuck and when it's not a nice place to be stuck and not have that have that um have someone to to air your feelings to mm. and this is me personally because not everyone is like that but um like 2 years ago my um new year's resolution to myself was to be uncomfortable by that i mean there's so many situations that I've been in and conversations, whether it be with a family member or someone you work with where you wanted to be honest, but you couldn't, because you felt like it would hurt. It would be uncomfortable. or you might not want to have heard someone's feelings or, but then you walk away feeling even worse. And actually, if you just go there, you find that that's what that other person wants to hear.
0: Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So stepping into that discomfort. So the, the moment it's like when somebody tells you, you know, how does this outfit look, and you, have, you definitely have an opinion on it. But you're like, you look great, and then they see pictures of themselves ten years later, and they're like, how did you let me leave the house looking like that? <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, but I just, I just, I just used to find that sometimes if I didn't say like, you know, why, why, why weren't you there yesterday at work or something, that I would, you just end up like not even not becoming passive aggressive, but like holding something for no reason
0: yeah oh, i love that yeah so it's kind of it's actually stepping into that space of being uncomfortable in the moment allows you not to end up holding on to a resentment that the other yes. person again doesn't even know you're no. home dude. exactly because you never brought it up exactly yes love it love it, I love it. <laughs> you so you, you explain that a lot better than i did <laughs> no no uh, so be true to you be honest and ask for help and that asking for help is also so important because you know, we, you know, we talked about, we talked about the, the pandemic. I mean, the pandemic, it comes up in, in everything, right? But we were all going through a hard time and nobody had mm-hmm. the same situation. Nobody had exactly, it wasn't like we were all in exactly the same boat, going yes. along at exactly the same speed. Some people were on a super yacht. Some people were on a rowboat. Some people weren't even in a boat. They were like getting dragged behind a boat, you know? And it's like, but we were all in the same storm, is what it was. And oh, it, yes. Yeah, and it's and it's the people that, that asked for help, the people that reached out and said, I'm not coping, or I'm not doing okay. Yes. You know, that's when you're able to get through that storm because somebody can throw you the life preserver. But if you don't ask for the life preserver, no one can throw you one.
1: A hundred percent. Can I tell you, it's one of the hardest things to do it for is. anybody is to actually say, "I'm I'm not okay. Yeah. It's a really, really hard thing. But once you've said it, it's it's just a sort of relief and people are, people are there for you. Mm. Friends, family, mentors, people are, it's just, it's just, it's just reaching out and saying that, you know, so. Yeah.
0: There's a great song called, it's okay not to be okay. Fabulous song. I so love yeah. that song. Yeah, it's Such a good song. It's okay, not to be
1: okay. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yes, that's the one. Re- resonates. I know.
0: Yes, totally. <laughs> Listen, this has been, this has been an absolute pleasure. I've loved every second of our conversation. Thank I think you've you had some incredible insights. I think you've been, brave in so many ways and i wish you all the best and so do you have a website by the way so it's the curious is the newly branded yes um, catering but what's so tell us how we can get in touch with you
1: yes so the um it's it's under construction but at the moment it's still the curious eatery.co.uk okay
0: so the curious eatery.co.uk but if we look you up um in general me 17 4hw
1: Yes, correct.
0: Okay, that is the postcode in the UK for The Curious Eatery, which has the female chef who's absolutely amazing, named yeah, Trish, yeah, yeah. who we're super excited about. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and so make your bookings. That's all I can say. Yeah, awesome. Brilliant. Well, so thank you so much for having me. A huge thanks to Nick for coming on the show. And that's a wrap for this season of The Undiscovered You. Thanks for joining us as we spoke to dream catchers. And join us next time when we talk about balancing on a seesaw. I'll be interviewing guests about trying to find the panacea of balancing life within work and life outside of work. If you're looking for an executive coach or if something from this episode resonated with you, I'd love to hear from you. Check out my website at kljconsulting.co.uk or email me on the undiscovered you podcast at gmail.com. If you're enjoying the podcast and would like to support me in putting out more content, why not buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash undiscovered you. Don't forget to follow, subscribe, like, and comment below. And I hope that you're one step closer to discovering the undiscovered you.